What is up, guys? We are back with another team conference preview going into the FCS season for 2022. And we had to bring my guy Kofi on, Kofi Hemingway, ONG Strike Zone, one of the one of the best minds out there talking fam you football to come preview the Rattlers for the upcoming season. Man, Kofi, how are you, man? And uh, let the people know where, where they can find you and what you've been up to. Hey, man, just working real hard, man. Uh, you can find me on the Afterglow Show with uh, Brother Scotty. You can find me on the ONG Strike Zone, which comes on on Wednesdays at 8. The Afterglow comes on on Monday evenings at 8 o'clock. So you can find me on either one of those channels. Hey, it, trust me, you're not going to want to miss the Afterglow Show with my guy Scotty. I know a lot of you guys already tune in for that, but let's get into the season a little bit. You know, one of the big, I would say, conversations this all season has been that week zero game against UNC even in the Twitter spaces with coach Simmons and coach prime they even brought it up and coach prime even made the comment I don't know why you guys put that game at week zero for you looking at it as a fan view fan how do you think that game's going to impact because for me I think it goes one of two ways it either really gives you guys a true measuring stick and allowing the team to kind of build knock off that rust going into a big week one game or we saw what happened with PV last year when they played A&M and Dumas gets banged up. Their starting quarterback gets banged up. How do you think FAMU approaches it, and how do you think the impact's going to roll over to week one? I think it's going to be good for us. I think you you have to get prepared for the speed of the game. Um, Jackson State has an FBS defense, and so it'll be a good litmus test for uh, what we're going to see with Jackson State. Uh, into the the week two, the game that really does count. Um, one of the things that went against us last year was that the fact that we took over just about over 700 days off, you know, and not playing a game, even though we had spring season uh, scrimmages against the University of North Florida and Albany State. It took away from, I want to say, the timing and the quality of what we were uh, going to do offensively not having that offensive identity, not going in, understanding what we needed to do to win. Uh, and consequently, um, even from a coaching standpoint, it affected the way Coach Simmons called the game. I think if you if you give FAMU a couple of weeks, you, we play Jackson State in October, and I think it's a totally different game. Um, absolutely. So I think um, – you know, and the good thing about our QB position, unlike Prairie View, I mean, that QB room is literally about six deep. We've got about four or five players. I think obviously the top two with Musa and McKay are, uh, are, are tops, but there's not much drop off after that. Um, you know, when you put in a guy like Ja'Cory Jordan and Trey Fisher, Jimbo Fisher's son is coming along. Meritovic has playing time. Um, we can stick those guys in, and I think we'll be fine. And I know we'll see multiple quarterbacks just because I'm assuming, depending on how the game goes, the starters might not play the full 60 minutes. But if it turns out to be a Jacksonville State, Florida State situation, we might see it. Do you think we see Musa and McKay take reps with the ones against UNC? Absolutely. I think you're, you're, you're destined to see that because both of them need reps. Both of them need to see – defenses and you're giving them an opportunity to actually audition um you know because there will be pro scouts that will be in the audience um that will have an opportunity to evaluate them there'll be uh, usfl scouts there there'll be xfl scouts 
um, and people around the country that may be looking for a QB, even arena league scouts. You know, if you're looking to play professional ball, so there's this opportunity that's there. That's not why we're doing it. We would be doing it to give our guys um, experience against a quality defense. I'm excited to see it. I think UNC is a team that I think comes in with a lot of question marks, too. I know not a lot of people are giving you all a big chance, but new quarterback, new running backs, new wide receivers, a revamped offensive line. It's going to be a great chance for Isaiah Land to get some tape, too. I think you look at what Jacoby Durant did against Clemson. If Land goes out there and gets three, you know, two, three sacks, that could be a huge, huge stepping stone for him. And we'll get to him in a second. But we just talked a little bit about the QB battle. In your opinion, Who's who do you think is going to be QB one for the Rattlers in 2022? I really think McKay is going to be. We're going to start out definitely with McKay. Um, McKay is most familiar with the offense, and more importantly, McKay also has the heart of the team. Um, you know, he's he was a leader. He has relationships with those guys. They believe in him. They respond to him. Uh, he's a leader, and uh, you know, I don't underestimate that aspect. I know, you know, a lot of times, you know, people say your first impression is is the 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 impression that people kind of like go with. So when people saw McKay last year against the Jackson State defense, they were like, oh, my God, this guy sucks. Oh, my God, get him out of there, you know. And I think he was like a deer in headlights. But guess what? You know, I mean, they had no film on Jackson State's personnel. They had no film on what they were going to do. They did not know. I mean, Jackson State gave them a look that they had not shown in the spring. So all of that coupled with the speed, you know, with your James Houston on the outside with the blitzes they were throwing, yeah, it shook him up. But guess what? He's had an entire year to look at that tape and an entire year to look at the fact of what fam you did well uh, against Jackson State, which was, uh, you know, the, the physicality and running the ball and teams that did have success running the ball Gave Jackson State fits. If you go to Delta State, South Carolina State, um, Southern University, uh, even FAMU averaged 4.5 yards a carry against Jackson State. So, you know, I think they're looking they're looking at chops. I think Texas Southern, too. Ladarius Owens got Southern, off that yeah, game. Yeah, I mean, and, that option that uh, Andrew Body was putting out there, uh, you know, gave, gave Jackson State some problems. Teams that run the ball, and I don't care what league you're in, if you can run the ball, you stand a good opportunity to win the game. And I don't think there's I, – I, I love Bishop Bonnet, one of my favorite players to watch last year, but I don't think there's going to be a huge drop-off from him to Terrell Jennings this year for FAMU. And, I mean, even uh, McLeod, I believe, is has a lot of potential to be that almost, I, I would say, more athletic outside back to kind of really cast some explosive plays. So I don't think the running game is going to take a step back. Now, for the quarterback spot I'm interested, the way I put it is I think McKay is really that – that that almost medium ground. He's not going to do. I don't. I don't look at him as a guy who's going to be any. Spec, I don't see him throwing for three, four hundred yards. But he's not going to lose the game for you. And, because I think when you look at a season last year, I went back and watched some tape before this episode. Really, the Jackson State game and the the Southeastern Louisiana game were the really the only two bad games he had. The rest of the season, he he was pretty good. His interception to touchdown ratio was great. He, I mean, really and truly, I, I think the FAMU system is different than other ones. I don't think Willie Simmons is looking for a quarterback who's going to go out there and throw 40 times for 350 yards when you have the offensive line. Coach Simmons would like that, though. 
He would yeah, like it. He would. I'm I just don't know if he you. has it. I don't know he, if he has it on the roster right now. Here's Musa, what I want to say. Here's go what ahead. I'm going to say. Coach Simmons desires to check it all over the field. The Simmons offense that you saw under Ryan Stanley, uh, coupled with a QB with some mobility, is ideally what he wants. Um, you know, but you you hit the nail on the head. I think, you know, when you play big games, and even no matter what level you're on, um, you get a guy that can move the sticks and not turn the ball over, you got a QB. Uh, we, you know, we've gotten used over the last couple of years, you know, I think with the Michael Vick uh, sensation coming in, then you follow that up with a Cam Newton, then you follow that up with a Patrick Mahomes, you follow that up with the Lamar Jackson, everybody's looking for that dynamic play at QB, you know, and then you got somebody that may be dynamic on the other end, that's cerebral, like a Tom Brady with uh, they can make the right reads, make the right throws, make all those throws. You look for those guys. But Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah. And <laughs> he was not spectacular. And that's the way I look at uh, a guy like McKay. Look, don't – wait, was Trent Dilfer with the Bucs no, or was the he Ravens. with the Ravens? Ravens. Uh, Brad Johnson okay. was the Bucs. Brad Ravens. Johnson, same thing. Brad Johnson was with the Bucs. So, you know, when you look at those QBs, both of them had size. They weren't very mobile, but they didn't turn the ball over, and they gave their defense the opportunity to, to seal the game, which is what you need from a guy like McKay with, uh, with the amount of reps and playing time that he's had. Yeah, I mean, for me, Musa's got the – I think Musa has the better arm talent overall and probably the higher upside. But like you said, the turnovers I heard could be a problem with it. He takes a lot of risk. And I, I think it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of that QB battle. But I do agree with you. McKay, I will be shocked if he doesn't take the first snaps against UNC Week 0. And another guy on the other side of the ball, I got to talk to him at SWAC Media Day, Isaiah Land has been a topic of conversation since he went on and won the Buck Buchanan Award. In other words, the big debate between him and James Houston. Mm -hmm. What do you want to see in terms of his development? There's only been one repeat winner in the history of FCS football for the Buck Buchanan Award. What does Isaiah Land have to do in his, terms of developing his game to repeat as the Buck Buchanan Award winner? Well, he's going to have to beat the double team because, you know, I think, that's you true. know, people know that he's coming this year. So they're going to try to, I think if they're smart, they'll try to, you know, have some type of scheme to at least uh, acknowledge where he is. Um, I don't think that he's going to have the same kind of year that he had last year, but I do think he's going to be effective. And he's going to be effective because you've got to account for Isaiah Land. But with the FAMU defense that's coming up this year, you're going to have to account for a whole bunch of people. And, you know, I think just accounting for Isaiah Lamb would be a mistake, and I think people are going to see that early on. I, I think you saw Southeastern try to do that, and Gentle Hunt and Savion went crazy up the middle and just dominated Absolutely. their matchups. You, you know, but let me just say this, you know, in regards to the Southeastern Louisiana take, because I know a lot of people look at that. Uh, look at that particular game and they look at McKay, you know, again, um, you get behind, you have to throw the ball. But I also want to account for the receiver drops that we had in that game. I mean, there were several that would have boosted, of course, McKay's stats, kept the chains moving, you know, 
that sort of deal. Those were drive-killing drops on third down that hit the receivers dead in the hands. You know, these up just like, bro, like, you know, it wasn't a characteristic FAMU game. I wouldn't all put all of the blame, obviously, on McKay. Not to mention, um, I think Bishop Bonnet had under 10, 10 touches in the entire game. You know, you look at that, um, the fact that we didn't do what we normally did was, you know, uh, was a mistake. Um, in addition to the special teams um, craziness that we allowed in the game, you know, and Coach Simmons addressed that in the offseason. Um, and I think that that's going to be, uh, I want to say, uh, uh, a help for this particular, this version, the 2022 version of the family Rattlers. I think you're going to see better special teams from a schematic standpoint. Yeah, when you give up 14 points on special teams, especially a Bro. fake field goal right up the middle like that. Is, I mean, Bro. I don't, I don't I, think people who have never played football understand, like, what that does to a team. I mean, Bro. when you talk about getting the win taken out of you when, when a quarterback <laughs> takes it or a tight end, whoever it the was. The person that was on their knees took the yeah. ball to the house <laughs> up the middle. Now, again, our special teams, you know, under the last coach, um, have been suspect. I mean, even in Coach Simmons' first year, um, we played South Carolina State. They blocked a field goal. Uh, not blocked a field goal. They blocked a punt for a touchdown. The game was tied 21-21. Um, the opening kick, well, when we tied it, they took the kickoff back for TD. Then after we got the ball back, <laughs> they blocked the punt. That was a 14-point turnaround. Then Ryan threw a pick six. So that's 21 freaking points that began with special teams play. Then you take us into next year, the, the following, well, after 2020, blah, blah, blah. You take it. Well, let's go 2019. 2019, um, South Carolina State blocked two punts. The game was well in hand. South Carolina State blocked two punts, four TDs that set up touchdowns in that game. Then the next year, obviously last year, um, opening game, uh, Jackson State blocks a field goal in a 7-6 ball game. That's a big deal. Um, oh, uh, Alabama A&M <laughs> fakes a punt on fourth and six from their end of the field. Their end of the field. Bethune <laughs> Cookman blocks an extra point. You know, it's just like, guys, like, please address special teams. Can we please address special teams? We obviously are schematically doing something that people are looking at. They're like, oh, my God, these guys really suck at special teams. <laughs> you know, because it's not just lining up and punting the ball not just yeah. lining up and kicking the ball. Schematically, there are reasons why teams consistently block kicks. There's schematically this reason why teams consistently score touchdowns with return. Yeah, I, I mean, I, t I totally forgot about that missed field goal with fan, uh, against Jackson State last year too. Because I mean, I know Jackson State missed their handful. The special teams that game were just their kicker. All no, of, Jackson State's yeah. kicker just sucked. Yeah. It wasn't anything schematically that we did. It was the fact that he just missed the darn field yeah. goal. 
you know. Yeah, you guys have an all-conference kicker, though. I mean, to have an all-conference kicker, I mean, if y'all just block for him, he's probably hitting them at a 90%. Yeah, bro, it was, it was crazy because, again, they lined up to kick. Deion called the timeout, and they made an adjustment with their scheme that our coaches did not see. They sent the guy out wide. He ran straight in and blocked the kick. Bam. Mm, they didn't yeah. account for him. That's coaching. Yeah. And, you know, for, for Isaiah Land, uh, getting back to him, I think you're going to see him kind of do what Jordan Lewis did last year, even though he was kind of banged up with injury. You saw Jordan Lewis. I mean, people say he was non-existent last year. When he played, he was top five in sacks last year in the SWAC, but it wasn't that spring season that he had where he goes on and wins the Butt Buchanan. The biggest thing for Isaiah Land for me, of course, is weight. Adding to his pass rush, I would say, repertoire, showing a little bit of some new moves, but also FAMU developing another edge rusher across from him that's going to have to take away some attention that you might have to give to Isaiah Lynn. Now, I've heard there's been some guys who are emerging in camp. We'll talk about them in a second, but I think that's a big thing. And we'll get, let's get to that right now. Players to watch. That I get asked every single day, all, all, every time I stream, about the linebacker spot for FAMU, and I tell them that it's solved because Isaiah Major is a problem in the safety spot, and I heard Kamani King has been absolutely killing it, the transfer from Iowa State. But, Kofi, I'm throw it to you. Who are some players that you're excited to watch for FAMU in 2022? Uh, General Hunt, uh, definitely. Uh, Kamani King, Um Isaiah Major, I call them Zayland, because uh, I, I call family's team basically Zayland, because we've got a bunch of Isaiahs and, and Zays and all those other yeah. things. So uh, I call the guys that own defense the book of Isaiah, uh, because they're going to bring the truth on defense uh, this season. So just with those players alone, but uh, obviously um, the uh, – the Bowler brothers are going to be beast. Um, you know, uh, I'm looking the running back core with Terrell Jennings um, and AJ, who just came. Um, Isaiah Connolly, another Isaiah. Uh, this team is loaded, man. I mean, obviously, Xavier, people forgot. Xavier didn't have um, a great year last year, but. Uh, I expect them to bounce back. And, again, this team is loaded with different kinds of receivers. Um, and I want to say my, my man from uh, Colorado State, um, and I look for our tight ends to be uh, a different, I want to say difference makers. He's, he's, I forget his name, and it's going to come to me after I leave this phone call. But he's <laughs> from the Atlanta area. Um, he's about 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, um, super tall, um, and I look for them to put him in the line to create additional mismatches. You're going to have to account for him. I think the tight end position last year, I spoke about it before the Southern game. I remember I remember this. Clearly. Oh, gross. I, oh, yeah, gross. Oh, yeah, he's a boxer, but I think it's, it's Kamari Young. I, he's coming back, too, and, man, every time you guys used him in the red zone, he was unstoppable, and then it's like there'd be a stretch of, like, three games where you guys didn't put him in the game. I'm like – Put him out there in the slot or at the tight end spot. Run him to the back corner and throw that ball about eight feet in the air, and no one's getting it but him. And y'all did it the first touchdown, I think, against Southern. You did that exact thing, and he went out there and made a play. I think the tight end uses for FAMU, if that picks up, and you guys have 
three or four tight ends right now that I think could go out there and make some plays. So tight ends a spot. You mentioned Isaiah Major. When he committed, I went back and watched some film. I mean, this is a guy at Indy Community College who played Mike. He played the Will. He played edge. He played safety. He played slot corner. I mean, the guy is a lot, has a linebacker body, but has the athleticism of a corner. And it, it is amazing to watch. And I think that was a spot where FAMU last year didn't have a true game changer at the linebacker spot. And I think it came out in some of those big games. I think even in, even early in the Alabama A&M game, that was exposed at times when they really jumped up on you guys. But the secondary, Jordan Moore and, and Kamani Younger, or, or Kamar, uh, my bad, Kamani, are going to be two guys at the safety spot. It's hard to replace a Marquis Bell. We understand that because of the supreme talent he was. And Antoine Collier was no scrub either, went on to win the MVP at the Legacy Bowl. But those two guys have the talent, I think, to be just as good. And I know that sounds crazy to some people, but those guys are legit. And then I've said this, and I know me and Scotty have went back and forth. Bowler was the best corner in the SWAC last year. And it, to me, it wasn't even a question. And for his size to to go up against Shaq Davis, to go up against some of the big wide receivers that he really went out there and shut down speaks volumes about the type of dog that he has in him and his brother I've heard his brother is the next one up and I haven't got to see we haven't got to see a lot of him play but in another guy Sharid I love Sharid's game Jamarie is 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 amazing he's like our Tyreek you know and uh you know I just want to see personally I want to see creativity I want to see different sets I want to see you know execution but at the end of the day for me, um, you know, this team is loaded. They're in position to do what they can do, which is to win the swag, win the swag, period. I agree. The offensive line I've heard is looking good. They, I, I, is it Goss? Is the, is the guard that I heard is really shining. I think replacing Keenan Forbes and Jay Jackson Williams was always going to be a big task. But everyone, fam, you landed, man. They have the size. The kid from USF, um, uh, Caesar, that dude is a, is a mountain of a man. I mean, to be that big and that athletic in his game is amazing. So I don't think the offensive line is going to be a big issue. The one thing, like I said, development at the edge spot across from Isaiah is going to be the number one question mark for me. But let's get to the schedule because you guys have some big games this year. We we, talk, we know about week zero, week Holy one. Moly. But that road trip to Orangeburg is not going to be easy to go face South Carolina State, who's going to be motivated to get one back on you guys after oh, the domination pissed. you guys had they're last pissed. year. So looking at the schedule, what games – you know, we know the big, big games. What games are sleeper games for you that you're like, okay, I, I get a little uneasy when I look at this game on the schedule? To be honest, um, all of them. Okay. Literally all of them. If, if you go down the schedule, obviously UNC, yeah. obviously Jackson State. Albany State had the number one defense in Division Two last year. They're right of the role that is, you know, they're not, quote, unquote, a traditional rival. But you get somebody coming in with nothing to lose, they're going to give everything that they had. And I can tell you in that spring game that uh, that we had against them last year, our guys were like, these guys can play. Like, y'all sleeping and stuff, but they don't, they're good. You know, it's not Fort Valley. This is all yeah. State. It's going to be a competitive game. And Gabe, Gabe Giardini, I think that's his name. Yeah, uh, his the the coach there used to coach with Saban, so those guys are going to come in with a lot of energy. They're going to bring about five six thousand people, and they're going to be ready to play. So 
the Albany State game, um, the Alabama A&M, all those transfers that they bring in. Now, in Bragg, that could be a different story. But, again, you know, that's a game that makes me uneasy. You know, I don't know what Hugh Jackson and those have um, down in Grambling, quote, unquote. But I expect them to want to get us back after we, you know, we beat them last year. So that's going to be an emotionally uh, tough game. So you got all of those emotionally tough games. Then you have South Carolina State, who wants to beat us like nobody's business. I mean, I they're like, say. oh, we're the black, you know, like y'all ain't the black college sense. We whooped y'all. Then <laughs> North Carolina A&T beat y'all. Alabama A&M beat y'all. Y'all had three HBCU losses. I know that y'all lost to Clemson, but y'all had three HBCU losses, and those games, primarily except for the A&M game, really weren't all that close. So, you know, how are you all the HBCU national type champs? You know, now, you get that, then you have UAPB um, at homecoming. That's going to be tough for them, but people sleep on UAPB, but as long as they have that mobile QB, you know, uh, he can create some problems. And if you sleep on him and just assume that you're going to win the game, um, if they short up their special teams, if they had shorted up last year, they would have beat Alcorn. That would have yeah. been another L for Alcorn last year. Um, then you have, let's see, oh, Southern University. That's a rivalry yeah. game that's coming here. Alabama State. I don't know, but that's also a game, a rivalry game right up the street. And then, of course, Bethune Cookman. All of these games, Cookman just got. Uh, they just signed somebody. Think, oh, the, um, the the kid from Penn. He just yeah, uh, Jalen the safety, former three star. He's a dog. Listen, I, I I pay a little bit of attention to Ivy League. The kid can play. Listen, so our entire schedule is loaded with games. We cannot take a week off. Oh, I didn't even mention Mississippi Valley. You oh, know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm like holy moly. The game, the our schedule is loaded with mm-hmm. physical mental games, you know, and, yeah. and people are going to bring their best effort. The good thing about the Valley game, the A&M game, and the Southern games, they're all in Bragg. So, you know, we have an opportunity to extend that streak, but it will not be easy. It will not be easy. No, and I, I think even with the Grambling game, it, that, that sticks out because, one, it's in the hole, and we we know what the narrative is about going down there to the hole and playing the game. There. Anything, we saw what happened when Akil Glass stepped down there, and they, they put one on Alabama A&M looking ahead to Jackson State. And the Alabama State game, I, I said this, I was talking to my guy Kamani um, on the Intel podcast last night. Getting Alabama State late might be the worst thing for any team, because if that team gels and D Davis is, is all everyone is hyping them up to be. And Eddie Robinson Jr. Has that team rolling in November, late October, that could be a team that you might be terrified to see on your schedule. If that, if, if they got all the playmakers rolling, because we know what the defense is going to be. Earshot Davis is back and they, they got some dogs in the front seven too. with starting with, uh, it was a big country is his nickname too. I, I forget what his actual name is. Everyone just calls him that, but that early schedule with that Albany State game you mentioned, what's interesting is, is let's say FAMU gets off to a bad start, 0-2. Man, the desperation in that game could be at an all-time high to get a win. And then you mentioned Alabama A&M. If they come in 0-3, which is not out of the realm of possibility with UAB, Troy, and then I think Austin P at home, I think they'll probably come in 1-2. and But let's say they come in 0-3. 
And FAMU might have a Connell Maynard team with nothing to lose, and they are going to throw everything at that FAMU defense. And I, I, I think there's a lot of dangerous teams for FAMU. And I think what makes FAMU's schedule unique is you catch people at what seems to be the worst time to catch them. You get Alabama State late. You get Grambling on the road. You get A&M when they could be very, very desperate. And you also get a Southern team late in the season where if Bashan McCray starts to develop, that team could be fighting for a SWAC championship bid and and you know you guys called them last year you know in Baton Rouge but they're looking for revenge like you said so FAMU's schedule in my opinion is definitely not a cupcake even though I know you guys got a lot of flack for not scheduling another FCS you know out of conference opponent outside of South Carolina State but man to get them on the road in Orangeburg I'll be at that game so I'm really excited Ooh. to see that one uh, it's I think that's always that, tough in Orangeburg it's oh, yeah. always tough um you know, even it's always tough. Now, my first collegiate game, I was two years old. My first collegiate game was a South Carolina State game. My, my parents were um, professors at Benedict. So um, we lived in Columbia, South Carolina. And my first uh, collegiate game was South Carolina State versus Virginia State. And, uh, you, know, I, I, you know, I vaguely remember that game. But I know that I was there, and uh, I remember the pageantry and all that stuff. I'm just saying this is the kind of memory I have. But one of the things that I wanted to share was, again, there are no weeks off in the SWAC. Um, there's no weeks off for anybody. And uh, injuries and all this other stuff that you have to take into account, you just never know. Uh, but I will say the good thing about this FAMU team, especially on defense, is that we, we're about 3D. We're about three deep on defense, just about at all of our positions. So with there's there's no real drop off. We've got twenty five corners. <laughs> yes, yeah, to say the least. Know. I mean, recruiting in Florida, if you don't have corners, you're not doing something right because you guys have two stars in Florida who could be all world corners. Absolutely. So it's 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 it's, it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm excited about this season. I think they have the opportunity to do something great, and now it's about just going through that process of proving it to everybody. And, and before, no doubt. Before we get to the expectations, you know, I'm going to be coming down to FAMU for the Southern game. I think that's the first weekend of November. That's the game I wanted to come experience Bragg for the first time. You know, for people who have never been to a game in Bragg, I know it's going to be tough because I know there's probably a million stories and a million things you could say. What makes it different? And how excited are you for the renovations that they're completing on the stadium to just increase the overall you know, experience anyway? Well, I think the renovations are, are, were needed, um, and uh, they look great. You know, um, I'm excited about it. And the Southern game, well, let me say Bragg is always – what makes it unique is that the fans aren't far from your team or the sideline. <laughs> they aren't far from the activity. You know, Southern University's fans are very involved, but there's a track that separates the, uh, the stadium from the sideline. At Bragg, you don't have that barrier. And the fans do get involved. We've got a whole trash talk crew that talks to the opposing team on the sideline. So if they go over and get a cup of water, you got you got about 20 to 30, maybe 50 people that's yelling and talking about their mama, talking about they suck, talking about <laughs> everything, you know. So you got to deal with that aspect of who are these people. Then you have to deal with the fact that, you know, 
you're going to have both bands there. So your bands are probably going to be playing, which means you got to deal with that atmosphere. But our student section is very involved in the game. The, uh, our fans are also very football savvy. Um, there are times when they're not involved at all. You know, obviously, you know, we're spoiled and we're kind of like, okay, well, okay, well, we're still going to win. It's not that big of a deal. But if the game presents itself as a challenge, the crowd will insert itself in the game, especially in the beginning, and they will they will assert themselves at very key opportunities in the game. And I think that that's one of the things that I think playoff ball back in the 90s brought to Bragg Stadium was that that real collegiate, I want to say NFL-type atmosphere where you know to stand up on third down and you're standing up on third down and you're yelling and screaming and making noise. So – um, they know to do that. Our announcer is very good. And then the DJ is there. So you've got that whole DJ aspect. Everybody's involved. Everybody's engaged. And you got to deal with that. And so those are all things that contribute to the Bragg Stadium vibe. Um, people wearing orange and green. That's not a normal color for a collegiate team. So when you come in, you know, and it's nighttime, you see a bunch of natives with the orange on. You know, it can mess with you. You know, you see a bunch of natives, everybody's wearing green. That's not a that's not a color that you're familiar with. A lot of people wear blue and white. People are like, uh, you know, but this is a little different. So going into the atmosphere, it's just different. It's just different. Then you have the whole end zone club, and those are the old school brown liquor people, and they're doing their thing down there. So it's it's just different, man. It's it's fun though. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I, I was talking with Scotty about this, of course, and I was like, man, uh, FAMU is like the atmosphere that it really came across on TV because some of the atmospheres don't, tra especially at the FCS level, just because of the size of the stadium and things like that. It doesn't come across on TV, but FAMU comes across on TV as one that, man, it looks so hard to play in there. I mean, it because, and, and, you know, I, I understand there's reasons that tracks have to be around the fields, especially at the FCS level, but, man, it takes away from the environment so much because, I mean, even when I went, I went to the Alabama A&M Jackson State game, and I sat on the 40-yard line behind a Kill Glasses family, and I felt like I needed binoculars to, man, like, see the action. <laughs> like, I was like, right. this, is, this is crazy, man. Like, I felt like I was a million. And then, of course, with it being homecoming that game, the track's filled with people, and so therefore it makes it look even further than what it is. And I was like, man, this – if they just took the track – and also football savvy is a big thing because, man, and also that game got out of hand. I'm going to give Alabama a fans a little bit of a break. But, man, it was like third and like three, and everyone's turned around talking, and no one's paying attention. I'm like, man, this is a game that like, is pretty important. It's your homecoming <laughs> game. It's, it's, it, you know, you want to beat Jackson State. Like, you guys are down 21 to nothing. This might be a big third down stop here, but I think when it got out of hand, you know, the homecoming festivities kind of took over, and it, it was, what, 40-something to 7 at halftime, and it was it was over at that point. So I'm excited to get to experience the brag atmosphere, man, because that, that's when I think the Alabama State game last year, because you your broadcast team puts on a ridiculous – um, just live live stream of that game, and I think the crowd. I, that might, I don't know if that was y'all's homecoming game last year or not. No, but that game, that that game was insane. I don't know. You the fans through the screen. Me and Scotty talked about it for like thirty minutes. But to end the episode, man, I know, I, I know there's a lot of different expectations out there. You guys are voted second in the division again. I think a lot of people are looking at you guys as someone who possibly could get another at-large bid at the playoffs if everything doesn't work out with the SWAC division. What are your expectations for FAMU in 2022 record-wise? Where do you see you guys ended up in the postseason as well? 
I want to see celebrate. I want to say celebration bowl champs, uh, ten and one, um, and it's now or never. I think worst case scenario, we're eight and three, uh, fighting for a playoff bid. Um, you know, and that's basically it. I, I think that we're going to have this defense. The thing that wins championships for me is always defense. And when you can play physical, fast defense, physical, fast Florida defense, I think that you have an opportunity to win. I I know that our defense is an FBS defense. Most of the players that are on that side of the ball are from FBS programs. Um and so it's an FBS defense, an FBS level defense. You got FBS level talent. Um, we need FBS level execution. I think if we do that and we just maintain and keep our turnover ratio on the plus side, I think that the champions championship or bust for me. Um, you know, I want to see Coach Simmons get over that hump and get it done, get his first outright conference championship, outright national title. Nothing that we're partnered with anybody or anything like that. No controversy this year. It's going to be all right. We're going to leave no doubt. No Twitter backlashes, Tom. No, no Twitter no backlash. <laughs> y'all got y'all tails. Whoop. Bam, you is I number one unquestioned. You know, I, I, I think eight and three is about where I would. I think eight and three is probably the floor. I think anything under that, I, I, would, have to, I would have to imagine it was due to injury or some external circumstance that was out of favor. I think eight and three. I think Jackson State, UNC, and then I think there's some toss-up games in there. I think South Carolina State's one of those, and Southern's another one that I look at as – one that could be a really tricky game, even though it is in Bragg. So I kind of give you guys the advantage on that one. But let's say Celebration Bowl goes to Jackson State. Jackson State goes Celebration Bowl. You guys get in the playoffs. How much do you feel like last year's experience going and, you know, competing in the playoffs, seeing what Southeastern Louisiana has, is going to prepare FAMU and this coaching staff to potentially win a first-round game this year in the FCS playoffs? I think I think it, it it's helped us. I think it helped Coach Simmons as a coach just even last year to look openly at the deficiencies. I think if we if we beat Southeastern Louisiana, he's not changing his special teams coach. He's not he's not going out and making adjustments at the linebacker position the way that we have. Um, he's not looking for additions on the wide receiver staff to get more shifty. Um, route runners that can create space for McKay or Musa or whoever is behind center to throw the ball. He had, I think that he also understood how to play in a playoff game. You know, go in with what works. Be patient as a play caller. The game's not over. Run the yeah. ball, <laughs> coach. Run the ball. The thunder in the, my background supported that one. And then finally, my last question. I know it's going to be hard because Mercer, Kennesaw are probably going to be closer opponents for you guys if, if in the playoffs. So those teams are both projected to make it in the Atlanta area, and I think you guys would probably be matched up with them. But what would how what would it be if what would it mean for FAMU fans to be matched up with potentially a Tennessee State or a North Carolina A and T in the I'm playoffs? Tell you, this playoffs, our people are are g'd up for playoffs. Like our people want playoffs. We love playoffs. Um, we've got history in playoffs. It could be Mercer, and I guarantee you we're going to outnumber their people. If it's Kennesaw State and Atlanta, we're going to definitely outnumber their people. Yeah, It could be A&T. That would be great. Um, Tennessee State, that's a historic rival for FAMU. That would be epic. You know, all of those games would be epic 
first round games that all of that would just be huge and we would welcome it with open arms but make no mistake we got to get to that celebration ball you know yeah we got to get there we got any any chance you guys bid for to host that first round game because i think a first round game in bragg that would be the best environment in the first round hands down no question there's not even a debate Absolutely, man. I think uh, I think we, you know, and that's something with our new AD. Hopefully, we'll know who that is. Um, they can, you know, <laughs> they can go ahead and put that out there and and make that happen, man. That would be great. I think they know what's at stake now uh, to be able to put on um, an event like that, and uh, we got to make it happen, man. I think it'll be great. Man, Kofi, I, I appreciate you. This came together very quickly because Twitter has been freaking out with dm so i definitely appreciate you giving me 40 minutes of your time to talk some family football we're definitely going to have you on during the season got Let's some go. big games that we're going to preview i'm trying to bring as many you know guests in to preview some of these games with me this year man so i ain't got to do all the talking it got really really tiring last year to try to cover all those games man but when i come down to famu november 5th we'll definitely have to link up down there man you got to oh, show me the full famu experience i'm gonna tell you you're just gonna sit with us we're gonna watch the game I'm going to have your bird's eye view no matter where your ticket says. You come sit with us. You'll have an amazing time. I guarantee it. I'm excited. I'll bring my FAMU hoodie. I had to rock the FAMU gear Let's today. Let's go. Co- the Southern Kobe. game was the black game. It's the blackout game. So you got to get you some okay. black FAMU gear, and you I got good. you. I got you. I, I, I got you. I'll, I'll get you some of that. But lastly, before we head out, we plugged it at the beginning. I want to plug it again because you guys do great work over at the ONG Strike Zone. Love the Afterglow show with you and my guy, Scotty. Where can people find you on social media? Where can people find all your shows, man, before we get out of here? That way they can support you. Okay. Well, I'm Belief365 on Twitter. You can find me at The Seer on Facebook or Kofi Hemingway on Facebook. Just look me up there. Um, I'm on Instagram as H5Global. Um, and on uh, Monday evenings at 8 o'clock, it's the Afterglow Show. On Wednesdays at 8 o'clock p.m., we have the ONG Strike Zone. And uh, both of those shows, they're two totally different shows. Yeah, um, to say the least. Scotty, we're kind of unique and different and stuff with our approach to stuff. And you might hear anything. It's a little That's bit a more. <laughs> That's a fact. A little bit more laid back. Uh, with the ONG Strike Zone, but nonetheless, uh, potent. It's a it's a vibrant show. You get a lot of information, quality information, and a lot of great interviews with people that you want to see. So, I'm telling you, either one of those shows is going to be absolutely amazing. Guys, make sure to go subscribe to the Black College Sports Network where you can catch the ONG Strike Zone. Man, they've been growing, and I think this season is going to be a big year for them, man. But guys, for Kofi, for myself, and for the Blue Bloods, we are out. <laughs>